Hello and welcome everyone to another Eternal Masters set review type thing. Uh, this is John Wells from Eyes of the Mize, and this is just going to be me talking about my different cards. And today, as or today, at this time you'll notice that this is the white review, so I'm going to be talking about all of the mono-white cards in Eternal Masters. Talk about limited, talk about outside of limited, whatever comes to mind first. So, we're going to go ahead and hit the ground running, and we're going to start off with... Avon Rift Watcher. Avon Rift Watcher is the first common. It is two and a white for a 2-3 bird rebel soldier. Uh, Rebels sometimes plays a role a lot in older formats. Uh, not a lot of rebel synergies in this set, but Avon Rift Watcher, but it's a rebel for those of you who care about the rebel tribal decks. It is a 2-3 flyer with vanishing three. So vanishing is a, is a mechanic that says enters the battlefield with three time counters at the beginning of your upkeep. Remove a time counter. When the last one is removed, you have to sacrifice it. Now, why does that happen? Well, it's just kind of to balance out the creature. So you're only going to get this to be able to attack for uh, two turns. So, with that in mind, when it enters the battlefield or leaves the battlefield, you gain two life. So, not only is it a 2-3 body that you get to be able to attack with and block with, as you might want to do in a, say, blue-white flyer style deck, but it also gains you a little life to keep you alive a little bit longer. Very solid card. I'd look to pick it up in the middle of a pack, especially if I'm looking to be in a blue-white flyers type deck. Uh, let's talk about the first white mythic, it, which is Balance. Balance is one in the white for a sorcery. It says each player chooses a number of lands he or she controls equal to the number of lands controlled by the player who controls the fewest. Then sacrifices the rest. Players discard cards and sacrifice creatures the same way. Balance is not balanced. Do not believe it's lies. Balance is a card that you kind of have to draft around if you open it in draft. It's not a very valuable card, but it's very emblematic of what it means to be a kind of a vintage card, a legacy card. I mean, balance is restricted in vintage, if I do if I do recall, and currently banned in legacy. So if you draft balance, make sure that you're drafting around balance. It's very, very, it's sometimes very, very difficult when you say, hey, I've got the sweet board, I've got all these lands in play, I've got a bunch of cards in hand, and then your opponent balances you, and you're just kind of sent back to the Stone Age. So, make sure that you're very careful if you, if you draft the balance deck. It is quite powerful, and quite a, and you're able to craft a, a neat board set around it to make it so that you get the better end than your opponent. Uh, the next card we have is Ballynock Cohort, which is a common, it's two and a white for a Kithkin Soldier. 2-2 first strike, and it gets plus one, plus one, as long as you control another white creature. As you might imagine, white creatures are going to be very prevalent in some of these decks. For example, uh, white-red has a, a weenie token strategy, so Battle Not Core is going to be great there. 2-2 two, two first strike for three, very solid. Most of the time, this might end up being a 3-3 three, three for three with first strike, which is going to be very, very good. Definitely a card that I am going to be keeping my, out, my uh, eye out for as I look towards the future of, the, of this limited format. Next card is Benevolent Bodyguard. It is a 1-white, one 1-1 one at common. It is a human cleric. You can sacrifice Benevolent Bodyguard to give target creature you control protection from the color of your choice. So Benevolent Bodyguard is very good at preventing some of the removal spells in the format because there are some really good removal spells in this format that you need to be careful for. Bodyguard takes, takes one for the team, stops your big threat from getting hit, or maybe you have another threat that you just need to worry about a little bit longer. Very good card, super powerful. Well, maybe not super powerful, but I would look up to pick up maybe one or two of these and maybe a more uh, streamlined version of a deck that maybe has one or two big threats that I want to make sure can close out the game. 
Next card is Calciderm. It is a 5-5 beast for two white-white. It has Shroud, which means it can't be targeted by spells or abilities at all. Not even your own. Don't make that mistake. And it has Vanishing 4, which is much like what we saw on the Avon Rift Watcher. Calciderm is actually a color-shifted version of, I believe, Blastoderm, which is a 5-5 Shroud, fading 4 with for 2 green-green. 5-5s five for 4 are solid, even with Shroud. Your opponent can't interact with it. You can't interact with it. You just got a 5-5 five five chugging into the red zone for the next few turns. So I'm going to be very, very happy to pick one of these up pretty early if I'm a, a white aggressive deck as part of my top end. Because again, it's really hard to kill and your opponent's going to have to put a bunch of creatures in front of it because that's really the only way that they can interact with this card. Next is Coalition Honor Guard. It is 3 and a white for a 2-4 at common. It's a human flag bearer. And it says, while choosing targets of, as part of casting a spell or activating ability, your opponent must choose at least one flag bearer on the battlefield if able. What does this mean? Well, if you have a flag bearer in play, then whatever your other threats are, are going to have to instead target the flag bearer, which this is the only flag bearer in the set that I've noticed. We'll get back, I'll get back to you if we have another one, but this seems like a very good card to maybe protect some of your other bigger threats in case you have some op an opponent trying to deal targeted removal or have some effects that might stop um, some of your bigger threats from getting through. I'm not sure how highly I'm going to pick this guy because a 3-mana 2-4 is overall pretty mediocre. However, the ability to basically say, hey, you have to hit this guy instead of, say, my bigger creature that you that might be more susceptible to removal, it could be pretty valuable. I'm not, like, I'm not looking to take this pretty highly, but hey, anything can happen. Next card is a rare. It is eight and a half tails. It is a white white for a legendary creature fox cleric. It's a two two, and it has one in the white target creature target permanent you control gains protection from white until end of turn, and you can pay one and make target spell or permanent white until end of turn. So what does eight and a half tails do? I've played I've played a lot in cube, and what it tends to do is basically say, hey look, that card that you have that's kind of killing me or that removal spell you're targeting at pointing at my guy. I'm just going to stop it. I'm just going to be like, yo, that's a cool trick you've got, but I'm going to just spend three mana and nullify it. So eight and a half tails is pretty mediocre in the early game because keeping up its ability is going to stymie your uh, early game. But late game, when you can land an eight and a half tails and then just say, hey, guess what? Your entire team is white. All of my creatures have protection from white, and I'm going to kill you. That is a very, very powerful place to be. Speaking of power, here is Elite Vanguard, which is a single white for a 2-1 soldier at common. This is the first time that we have had a vanilla 2-1 for 1 at common, so popper players, rejoice. Elite Vanguard is definitely a card that I'm going to be looking at to see how good it can end up being, because usually 1-mana creatures aren't great and limited. Now, Elite Vanguard definitely has kind of a pedigree to follow, because Savannah Lions is a very, was a very powerful card back in the day. So you could, you could say, oh, how the mighty have fallen. But with a, with a weenie rush strategy available in this limited format, who knows? Maybe pick up two or three of these. Maybe p pick up a few anthem effects. You'll be well on your way. Oh, by the way, eight and a half tails. Great in commander. Pretty okay in Canadian Highlander, I would assume. And it is very, very solid in cube, which is probably where I'm going to be putting my copy if I end up with one. Next card is a card that we are very excited to see reprinted with amazing Howard Lion Art, which is Enlightened Tutor, which is a rare instant for a single white mana. You search your library for an artifact or enchantment, reveal it, shuffle your library, and then put this card on top. This is not the site, this is not a tutor that puts it into your hand or puts it into play. You, it's just that you know you're going to draw it next turn. So you have to make sure that when you're casting Enlightened Tutor that you're doing with you're playing with that in mind. 
So Enlightened Tutor in Limited is going to be really based on what are your enchantments or artifacts that you're going to be grabbing. There are some very valuable ones and some very powerful ones in this format based solely on the fact that we have a green-white enchantress theme for limited, and we have some very broken artifacts that we might want to be able to find at rare, or maybe even at mythic, that may kind of move you into one direction or another. As far as price tag, it's currently pre-ordering for $12. It might stay around there. I would, I would expect it to go down towards t a little bit closer to 10 but it's a very solid card. It's a much-needed reprint. The art's amazing. The foils are going to look amazing. Pick it highly, and pick it often. If you, if you, I mean, if you run into doubles, good job, friend. Uh, next card is Faith's Fetters. It is an enchantment aura at uncommon for three and a white. It enchants a permanent. When it enters the battlefield, you gain four life. And the enchanted permanent can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. So don't put this on a forest and expect it to shut the forest down. This is not a stone rain. This is not destroy a land. But what it does do is it basically tells says that this permanent cannot interact with me in any meaningful way aside from triggered abilities. So you have to make sure that you're not going to be able to stop, that you're not going to care about triggered abilities, but it gains you life and it stops something from hurting you. It's a very valuable card. I'm definitely looking to pick this up highly. And if I have an enlightened tutor, I'm going to take every face fetters that I see so that I can be make sure that I can always find one with my enlightened tutor. Definitely a valuable card. Next card happens to also be an enchantment. It is Field of Souls. Two white-white for an enchantment at Uncommon. Whenever a non-token creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, put a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So what is this basically saying? Well, if you have a non-token creature that dies, you get a 1-1 you get a 1-1 white spirit creature token. This is very, very useful in kind of the white... What I'm imagining is in the white-red Weenie Rush deck, because being able to replace your other creatures is going to be very important for that deck, because your anthems are going to... The, your anthems don't care whether you have a real creature or a token creature or a 3-2 or a 1-1 or whatever. You just want creatures that can turn that you can turn sideways to try and kill your opponent. It's also an enchantment for the Enchantress deck, if that's something that the Enchantress deck is wanting to lean for. I would imagine the Enchantress deck is not super excited about Field of Souls, but I know the Weenie Rush deck is going to be really excited to see that, especially with some of the other cards we're going to be seeing later on in this later on in the, in the uh, set. Next card is Glimmer Point Stag, which is a creature elk at uncommon. It's a 3-3 for 2 white-white. It has Vigilance, and I would pay 4 mana for a 3-3 Vigilance. Now, I'm not excited about it, but I would play it. However, it has this added benefit because when Glimmer Point Stag enters the battlefield, exile another target permanent, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end of step. So what it does is it kind of flickers or blinks another permanent. Now, it does say permanent, not just creature. So even if you want to say, hey, that creature is awesome, I just kind of want to re-get it, get its enter the battlefield ability again, or I want to be able to get a blocker out of the way... Glimmer Point Stag is definitely a creature that I'm going to be looking for. It also doesn't hurt that Glimmer Point Stag can help get block or get blockers out of the way, as I've already mentioned. It can reset, say, a Face Fetters. It is a very, very good card. I'm going to look for it pretty highly, more or less because it's something that I know is going to be very, very valuable as I look as we as we move on in this in this wide world of Eternal Masters. The next card that we have is another uncommon. It's a legendary enchantment this time, and it has a subtype of Shrine, and that is the card Hunden of Cleansing Fire. It's three and a white for an uncommon Shrine. At the beginning of your upkeep, you gain two life for each Shrine you control. Really? There's a cycle of these Hondens. We'll get to one in each color. You really want to be playing the five color 
a Honda deck. Otherwise, it's just going to be just not great in your deck. Now, if you want to build the five-color Honda deck, you go for it. You definitely have the fixing it common, like we talked about in the land section. So I would just go to town on that, play in that Enchantress deck, play the Hondans, and you will have a grand old time. Now, Honda Cosmic Fire keeps you alive so that your other Hondans can come into play. So it may not be one that you prioritize. Anyways, moving on, we have a common instant in Humble for one in a white. Until end of turn, target creature loses all abilities and has base power and toughness 0-1. So it just takes their biggest thing or whatever creature they have attacking you and just turns it into an 0-1. It gets humbled. Card, set, card name says it all. So it's definitely something that I'm going to be looking for in my white decks that care about what's coming at me or what I'm attacking into. Because be really, it's going to feel really awesome when you attack into, say, their 8-5 Silvos. And you just kind of say, humble. And it suddenly is just nothing. It's going to feel amazing. Next card is another enchantment. This one is not for the Enchantress decks. They could certainly play it, but it is Intangible Virtue. It's one of the white for an enchantment and uncommon. Creature tokens you control get plus one, plus one, and have Vigilance. If you're the tokens deck, this is the payload for you. This card is so good, it got banned and block constructed, and it is still a force in modern today, thanks to the prevalence of its other best friend, Lingering Souls. Unfortunately, Lingering Souls not in the set with us today, but it is definitely something that I'm going to be looking for if I'm drafting, say, the Weenie Rush deck in white-red, or maybe if I'm drafting the green-white tokens deck if I feel like I need a little bit of extra oomph to get me over a hump. But Intangible Virtue, definitely a card that I'm going to be looking for. Next on our list is Jareth Leonin Titan. It is a rare legendary cat giant. It is a 4-7 for 3 and 3 white mana, so a total of 6. Uh, whenever Jareth Lean and Titan blocks, it gets plus 7, plus 7 until end of turn, and you can spend a single white mana to give it protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Jareth is a house. It is essentially an unkillable wall that your opponent's going to have to get through by some means. Now, Jareth blocks really well, doesn't attack very well, could really use Vigilance to make this card really, really absurd, but 4-7 but for 6, get plus 7, plus 7 whenever it blocks, I would, pretty, I would pick it probably in the middle of the pack if I'm a defensive white deck, say, blue-white flyers. It's definitely a card that you're going to have to be worried about a little bit. I mean, Maze of Ith is the only card in the set that I can think of that's going to deal with this incredibly cleanly, especially because it can just get protection from whatever it needs to worry about. Jareth, the card is, is, Jareth is a card that I'm going to be worried about a little bit, but I'm, just, but I'm going to be making sure that I have some answers for it later on. Next card is a card that I'm very excited to see reprinted. It has amazing art that we've seen before by Alan Williams. It is a it is a two-two for a three white white. It's an angel spirit at rare. It is Karmic Guide. It has flying and has protection from black. And it says whenever Karmic Guide enters the battlefield, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it has Echo for three white white. So why is Karma Guide so good? It is great in Commander. It is great in Highlander. It is a card that just screams value. Uh, my worst experiences with Karma Guide have always been playing against one of my old friends' uh, Carador decks because just being able to bring back the Karma Guide and cast it and bring more crap back is just... Uh, it's very aggravating. But it's a very strong card. I'm very happy to see it being reprinted. It is really awesome in casual formats. Also, if you're playing in Highlander or you're playing in Commander... Uh, Revelark can bring back a Karmic Guide. little food for thought. Moving on, we have Core Hookmaster, which is a 2-2 common. Core Soldier for 2 and a white. And it says whenever it enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls. That creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. 
The current analog to this is Stitched Mangler, which is a uh, blue, which was which is the blue version of this effect. Still very good in limited. Still very good in white. You're still going to play this card. It's going to be great. I wouldn't necessarily pick it very highly because there are definitely cards in white that are more powerful than it, but it's going to help you push through a lot of damage in the middle to late game. Moving on, we have Mesa Enchantress at Uncommon. It's a human druid. It's an 0-2 for one white white. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you may draw a card. This is one of the uncommon build arounds for the Enchantress deck. The Enchantress deck is in green-white, and Mesa Enchantress is really the card that you're going to want to be able to look for at uncommon to help power you through. Because the Enchantress deck is going to be playing a lot of cards that don't do a lot, but being able to have them replace themselves thanks to Mesa Enchantress is very, something that you're going to be wanting quite a bit of. It's not very powerful on its own, but once you get enough enchantments, it's definitely a card that you're going to have to worry about. Next up is Mistral Charger. It is a 2-1 creature Pegasus at common for a single one and a white, and it has flying, and then some flavor text. Now, 2-1 flyers for two are pretty good. They tend not to be at common for regular sets, just based on power level, but Mistral Charger is definitely going to be a card that I'm going to be looking for if I'm in the blue-white flyers deck, because it's just, it's just really, really good. Being able to have a two-power flyer attacker on, you know, on turn three is something that I want to look for whenever I'm drafting a deck. I mean, if you go back to Born of the Gods, they had Loyal Pegasus, which was a 2-1 flyer for a single white mana, but it can't, but it couldn't attack alone. This is a card that it can attack alone, it just costs 2 mana, which is great. It's definitely a card that I'm going to be playing in the Blue-White Flyers deck, and a card that I'm going to make sure that I have an answer to when it comes time to draft the set. Next, we have Monk Idealist, which is a creature human monk cleric. I guess I didn't know exactly what it was. It's a common, it's a 2-2, it's a two and a white. When it enters the battlefield, you can return target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Very good card in the Enchantress deck. I am also going to probably pick up a copy or two of this if I have, say, a Face Fetters, or if I have some other enchantment that we might get to later. Uh, some other enchantments that we can get to later on in the set uh, that may, that might sacrifice for effects, because Monk Idealist is going to help us buy back those enchantments and get those values again and again. It's gonna be. It's not gonna be a key card, but it's gonna be one that you're gonna want at least one copy of if you're in the Enchantress deck. Next we have Mother of Runes. Oh, good old mom. She is a one-one for a single white. She's a human cleric at common. She has tap. Target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Mother of Runes is really hard to kill. She is amazing in limited. She's amazing in cube. She's probably pretty good in other formats, and I don't think she's played in Legacy Death and Taxes. I could be wrong, because she's just absurd, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if she was. Also, great note about this current Mother of Runes art is that this is the Therese Nielsen art from the Cure vs. Elspeth dual decks, and this is the first time that we're going to be able to get this art in foil, and my god, is this art going to be amazing in foil. Get your foils before they skyrocket to a million dollars. Next, at common, we have good old standby pacifism, one in the white, enchantment aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature can't attack or block. You may think this is for the enchantress deck, but it's really for every white deck because you just want to get creatures out of the way, and pacifism does that at a very good rate. Pick it highly, pick it often, don't be ashamed. Note, it doesn't stop activated abilities like Faith Fetters does, so be careful about that. Next, we have raise the alarm, one in the white instant at common. Put two one-on-one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield. Great for white weenie, great for the aggro rush, great with intangible virtue. Just pick it up, play it always. 
it's always really awesome to have them have them attack their two two into you and just trade your raise the alarm for it on turn two. It's really it's not a great play in certain aspects of that game, but it's definitely something that you're gonna have to do occasionally. Speaking of tokens, next is Rally the Peasants at an instant at common. It is two and a white. And creatures you control get plus two plus zero oh until end of turn. And it also has flashback for two and a red. For those of us who may not know, flashback reads, you may cast this card from your graveyard for its flashback cost, then exile it. Card is really good when you have a lot of creatures that are attacking, and the fact that it's an instant is even better. Just being able to attack, say, nine one-power creatures into your opponent, your opponent makes a few blocks, then if this is late game and you have six mana, you go, rally the peasants, flashback, rally the peasants, take a lot. Your opponent's going to be in a really bad position if they're not dead. Take Rally the Peasants if you're, if you're in the White Weenie aggro deck. Don't take it otherwise. It is not for you. Next, we've got Seal of Cleansing, which is a one in the white enchantment at common, and you can sacrifice it to destroy target artifact or enchantment. This does go in the Enchantress deck because, well, it's an enchantment. It is also good against the Enchantress decks because it can stop some of their bigger enchantments that you might be worried about. Say, a Faith's Fetters, or say, um, Intangible Virtue that you have on the opponent's side of the board. It's a card that you're going to want for those matchups. So, take it. Maybe more of a sideboard card in some matchups, but I would definitely main deck one of these if I'm an Enchantress deck. Next is Second Thoughts. It is four and a white for an instant at common. It says exile target attacking creature, then draw a card. At least this, this replaces itself. It gets rid of any attacker just straight away. I might play one or two of these, Lately, we've seen a lot of sets where 5 mana instant speed removal is not that great. This does get rid of any creature that's attacking you aside from, say, stuff like Calciderm with Shroud, but we'll see. I would, I'll definitely play one, maybe not multiples. We'll see. Five, you don't want a bunch of 5 mana spells clogging your hand and not being able to impact the board in limited. So, take it for what it is. Next up, we have the good old standby, Sarah Angel, three white, white, creature angel at uncommon. It is a 4-4 flying vigilance. Card is great. Card was taken out of the game because they thought it was too good, but it's a perfect uncommon in today's magic. Play it always. Take it. Play it always. I would play at least two of these if I opened them. So take Sarah Angel, be, and be happy that you did because she's going to beat face. Next up, we have Shelter, which is an instant at common for one in the white. Target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choices on the turn. Draw a card. So this is like our Benevolent Bodyguard in spell form and replaces itself. It's pretty solid. Not sure how good it is. Probably mid-pack pick if you're in limited. You could play it in some other formats, but I'm pretty sure it's mainly here just for limited play. So I would take it. Be pretty happy about it. Next we have Soul Catcher. Soulcatcher is a one white flying bird soldier at uncommon for a single one and a white mana. Two mana one of flyers, not one I'm excited about, but whenever a creature with flying dies, you put a one plus one plus one counter on Soulcatcher. So this is a little bit of a build around me for the blue white flyers deck, because I probably you're going to have a lot of flyers. Flyers tend to be a little bit smaller, and it's going to, they're probably going to die. They're going to probably get eaten by removal spells. And what happens to your Soulcatcher? Well, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it becomes a threat your opponent's going to have to deal with in and of itself. Now, Soulcatcher is probably a card they're going to want to kill first before they kill your other flyers, like, say, your Mistral Charger. So just be careful about it, but you're in the Blue-White Flyers deck, you're going to play Soulcatcher. Next up, speaking of Blue-White Flyers, we have a little friend called Squadron Hawk. He's a 1-mana one 1-1... One, one, he's a 
two mana, excuse me, one in the white, creature bird at common, flying 1-1. One, one. Again, I just said that I didn't like two mana 1-1 one, one flyers. They gotta do something else for us. Well, Squadron Hawk also says, hey, bring the squad along. Because when Squadron Hawk enters the battlefield, you may search your library for up to three cards named Squadron Hawk, reveal them, put them into your hand, and then shuffle your library. So you play one Squadron Hawk, you get to bring the rest of the family. Now, a big thing to remember is that in Limited, you are not restricted to the four of Claws. If you draft five Squadron Hawks, you can play five Squadron Hawks in your deck. No one's going to stop you. If you draft 23 Jace the Mind Sculptors, you can play 23 Jace the Mind Sculptors. Someone might call a judge on you for that one, though. I, odds of that are pretty low. Anyways, Squadron Hawk, very good in the Blue White Flyers deck, replaces itself at least once because you're because you're picking up one. Maybe you pick up another. Maybe you grab all three. Doesn't matter. Card is good and limited. I would play it only in the Blue White Flyers deck and only if I had at least two. By itself, it's pretty worthless. Moving on to an uncommon that I'm sure people are going to take pack one, pick one over most of the rares in this set. I'm not sure exactly how many. I haven't done that math yet. But Source to Plowshares is absurd. Single white mana, instant, uncommon, exile target creature. Its controller gains life equal to its power. There are some of you who might cringe at this whole, my opponent gains life, why would I do that? But trust me, the six life that your opponent gains from their six power creature getting removed, or the seven life, or whatever it is, is going to hurt them more than that creature staying in play hurting you. You're going to take Source of Plowshares over most rares, over most of the other uncommons. I haven't gone through the other colors yet, but I would hesitate to guess that this is the best uncommon in the set. Just at its pure efficiency at killing things and just killing them dead. So take Source of Plowshares, be happy about it, get rid of a bunch of threats, play it, play it always, take as many as you can. Also, I would splash this card because it's a single white mana. You don't need it on turn one. It's very rarely going to hurt you if you don't have it like immediately. So I'll take Source of, I'll take source of Plowshares over most cards. Next, we have Unexpectedly Absent, which is an instant at rare. First time we've, we've seen this card in a booster pack because its first printing was a commander set. It is X white white. Put target non-land permanent into its owner's library just beneath the top X cards of that library. So it's a different take on a tuck effect where it just puts it under. Uh, the next closest card I could think of that does this is Oust, which puts that card third from the top. So... Unexpectedly Absent helps get rid of some troublesome non-land permanents. It could be a creature that's attacking you. It could be a Faith Fetters that's stopping you from attacking. It could be a Planeswalker that's threatening to ultimate, because there are a few of those in this set that you're going to have to be careful with. Unexpectedly Absent's a pretty powerful card. Maybe not first picking it a bunch of the time, but it's definitely a card that I'm going to want, that I'm going to see and be a little scared of sometimes. Next, we have Wall of Omens, a card that wasn't really needed for you know, legacy play, but it's very very highly played in modern, and it's also good in other formats. It's a one-on-a-white creature wallet, uncommon, it's an 0-4 defender, when it's the battlefield, it draws a card. Very good in your defensive white decks for stemming the bleeding, because it's going to be very hard in the early game for your aggressive decks to get through a 4-toughness defender. Plus it replaces itself. Plus it's good when you blink it, say, with, say a glimmer, with a glimmer point stag. So, I'd play at least a few of these if I opened them. I mean, I'm going to be looking for a few of them because I have a casual deck that I'm working on that's going to really, really exploit the Wall of Omens. And I'm going to explain that on a later episode of Eyes in the Mines. But 
for now, we're going to go ahead and keep going. Now we have War Priest of Thune. At uncommon, it's a human cleric. It's a 2 2 for 1 and a white. When it enters the battlefield, you may destroy target enchantment. So this is a anti enchantress card in white. We've already seen Seal of Cleansing. At worst, it's a 2 2 for 2. Do not feel shy about casting this on turn 2 and beating in with beating your opponent in the face with it. It'll be fine. If you get a hit of enchantment, say a Rancor out of green or a Face Fetters, you're going to feel like a million bucks. So play War Priest of Thune. It's going to be fine. I wouldn't first pick it. It's not a first pick quality card, but it's definitely a card that I want to keep my eye on. If I'm in the Enchantress deck and I see a War Priest of Thune, I'm going to be like, ah, I see, I, I see you. I see you. Next, we have a common Welkin Guides, the 2-2 Bird Cleric at common for 4 and a white. It has flying, and when it enters the battlefield, target creature gets plus 2, plus 2, and gains flying until end of turn. So the Welkin Guide kind of picks up a friend and helps chuck, you, chuck it at your opponent. Very good in very good in the fly, Flyers deck. It is also pretty solid outside of that deck, I would imagine. Playing white-green Enchantress and being able to jump, say, a Yavimaya Enchantress, or playing white-red and being able to jump one of your other creatures is bound to be very valuable in those in those decks. So I would take I would take at least one. Again, five mana can tend to be a lot limited, so be careful how many of those you take. Next, we have White Mane Lion. One in the white for a 2-2 cat at common. It has Flash, which, as you might remember, means you can cast it on your opponent's turn. And when it enters the battlefield, return a creature you control to its owner's hand. Now, White Mane Lion is not usually going to be a 2-drop in your deck, unless, you have, unless you're able to go, you know, hey, here's my Elite Vanguard. Attack you on turn 2. Oh, you block? Haha, <laughs> JK, here's a White Mane Lion. But it can be used really, really slyly to help protect your creature from removal. Set your opponent points of source of plowshares at a card that you don't want to leave yet. Cast your white man line, pick it up, protect your creature from their removal spell, just go ahead and completely blank whatever they were trying to do. Very good card at common. I expect more some people to blow themselves out with it. They'll be like, ha, I cast it on turn two. Oh, I have to I have to I have to return this to my hand. Oh, I just played paid two mana to do nothing. Okay. I'm sorry. Be careful with white man line, but definitely play it if you're in white. But be careful. Last card in white is a card that kind of embodies what we've seen out of white lately. It's a little bit of a shame that these have gone from 4 to 5 mana, but I completely understand the reasoning that Wizards has gone through. And this is the Sorcery at Rare for 2 white white, Wrath of God. And with the great text of right in the middle, no flavor text, centered in the text box, destroy all creatures, period, next line, they can't be regenerated, period. You want a board reset? Here's your board reset. Worried about your opponents attacking you? Not anymore, you're not. So it does hose regeneration, and there is some of this in the set. And there's not a lot of reanimation. There is some in black, but it's definitely going to just be a no button when your opponent's getting out of control, and you just need to be able to recover. Just send everybody back to the Stone Age, have no play no creatures, and you're done. It is also really good to help reset after, say, your, your opponent's gone out of control, you Wrath of God, you then play a bunch of creatures of your own, get yourself in a better position than your opponent. Definitely something that you're going to be wanting to do if you have a Wrath of God. And that brings us to the end of the white cards for Eternal Masters. Definitely a lot of power in this in this format, or in this uh, color. I'm really excited to see exactly what form some of these decks take. Marshall Sutcliffe did a great breakdown earlier last week, uh, or later last week I should say, about the different archetypes that, you're, that you can expect to see in this format. But I'm just going to go ahead and say the white seems pretty solid. I know that the white-red aggro deck is going to be a deck that I'm going to be uh, very excited to draft draft in and draft out, depending on how many drafts we get in. Who knows? 
Anyways, that's been it for the white cards. We're going to go ahead and call it call it a day here. Uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, or don't follow me on Twitter yet, you can find me at jwiley129. I'm also a co-host on a podcast called Eyes on the Mize, which you can find on Twitter, at Eyes on the Mize. You can also email the podcast directly, which is eyesonthemize at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today, and I will talk to you next time when we go into the blue cards. Have a good day.